Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Two Guys No Cups podcast. Uh, my name is Stephen Ground, and I'm here with my co-host, Ian, last name redacted for privacy reasons. <laughs> and how are you that was my own. That was my own choice. Ian, last name <laughs> for privacy reasons. I'm doing, I'm doing well. Good. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm not looking forward to after this when it's just a black hole of nothingness. Oh. In terms hockey of hockey, there's just not nothing. Not just your personal life. No, no. Just hockey. hockey. Yeah. Hockey is uh, nothing until maybe the middle of September. Eh, maybe beginning of September. Yeah. But yeah. Other than that, doing great. Yeah. Uh, that is true. And we will try to create hockey content between now and training camp. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to do one last exciting episode uh, in which we're going to be covering a lot of things. We're talking about uh, NHL free agency with a focus on the Blues, but we're going to kind of talk about most of the major deals that were made. Uh, we're going to have a few minutes to talk about the Blues prospects, uh, especially coming out of the prospect camp that they held over the course of the last week. And then we're going to uh, debut a new segment at the end of the episode that we think is going to be pretty fun. So we'll get to that when we get there. So uh, the Blues this uh, weekend, Saturday, July 1st, was the opening of free agent signing season. And the Blues signed two free agents uh, who were unrestricted and then re-signed one of their own. Uh, They signed uh, the free agent Oscar Sundquist, who came over in the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins Mm -hmm. trade for Ryan Reeves. They signed... Uh, Chris Thorburn, who was a free agent with Winnipeg last season. Yeah, I believe so. And then uh, Bo Bennett, who is a young winger from uh, New Jersey most recently and originally drafted by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, So some of the details on these deals, uh, Sundquist and Bennett were both one year a six hundred and fifty thousand dollar, basically the the minimum. Yeah, league men. and then Chris Thorburn was kind of the big signing, if you want to call it that, <laughs> one year for $1.8 million. Uh, Thorburn pretty obviously is kind of the replacement uh, such that he is one for Ryan Reeves. Yeah. Uh, that, go ahead. That one point eight. Just, I mean, it's not breaking the blues by any means, sure. but it just feels like a high number. Yeah. 1.8 for Chris Thorburn. I don't know how much Reeves is making. Uh, just um, over one, I think. Oh, I really? Think it was that high for sure. Okay. Um, I mean, it's one of those things where if you're at that threshold, I mean, if you're under $2 million and, like, a couple hundred thousand is the difference between signing a guy you really like and not signing them, I'm fine with it. But Mm -hmm. it does feel weird for a fourth-line guy. Uh, Thorburn's 34. He just turned 34 in June from Sault Ste. Marie in Canada. Uh, And (laughs) I think, yeah, I mean, I think he obviously is the is the replacement uh, GM Doug Armstrong has been hesitant to use that word, but he's the person who will most obviously fill the void left by Ryan Reeves as kind of that fourth line yeah. enforcer, yep, yep. Uh, if you will. And Armstrong has been pretty open about saying that Thorburn's not necessarily going to play every game, uh, which Reeves for the most part did. Uh, we're going to have a little more of a, Sounds like a little more of a fluid bottom six this year, especially because we have a whole lot of back-to-backs. Uh, I think just a lot of young guys, too, yeah. that are going to be vying for a position. Yeah, but Thorburn and, figures to be a guy that's 
in there more often than not. I'd, I'd see that, yeah. I think he's a little bit more of a fighter, mm-hmm. I'd say, more of the enforcer type. Not that Reeves didn't fight, and he was a great fighter, but um, it's just one of those things where I think his skill set more lies there than, say, Reeves popping in a goal you know, every once in a while, mm-hmm. maybe what felt like every, I don't know, 20 games. That's probably about right, four yeah, goals. Probably. But, I mean, that still felt good. And, like, he's you was able to go on the four check, and they, him and Upshaw and Brad's acted a really good job on the fourth line. So... I think Thorburn will be more than fine, and like you said, fourth-line guy, so it's not something that's going to make or break the Blues. Um, it'll be interesting for just one year. I think he played his whole career up until this point on the Atlanta Thrashers slash Winnipeg Jets. Apparently, he actually started in Buffalo. Oh, really? Up his stats. He was with Buffalo for a season and Pittsburgh for a season. There you go. But How long ago was that? That was in 05-06 when he was 20. Hey, oh. Drafted 50th overall in 2001 by the Buffalo Sabres. Folks, unless uh, someone's a big name or relates to the Blues, if it's, say, prior to the lockout, I'm going to be a little hazy, (laughs) especially on a Chris Thorburn. I know it's it's after, but nevertheless. That is certainly why Google and Wikipedia existed. Claimed off waivers by Pittsburgh, traded to Atlanta for a third-round pick in the 2007 NHL entry draft. Atlanta City responsible for two NHL franchises failing uh, or moving away. Oh, I want to give them a third try. I say give them, give them the flames give them back. Give them back. <laughs> uh, Thorburn, a whopping four points last year. Although he does have 121 in his career, and for the most part has had double-digit point seasons. <laughs> Only two seasons since uh, 2006-07, which was the Pittsburgh year. Only two of the last ten years has he recorded less than uh, double digits, and that was for both years, and those were both shortened. I think was 12-13 the lockout year. Yeah, I want, it was, yeah, yeah. So 42 games, so that makes sense. And then last year was shortened either by injury or coaching indifference. Uh, coaching you know, indifference? You know, just missing out on time. Just oh, getting, okay. Getting old, I was like, is that listed as coaching indifference? <laughs> Look, he didn't play this much for asterisk. Coaching <laughs> indifference. <laughs> it's like in the ninth inning of a blowout baseball game when somebody steals second and it's called fielder's indifference. It doesn't even <laughs> oh, is it really? Steal. Yeah. Look, they just don't care anymore. <laughs> just let you take it and nobody cares. <laughs> That's what Chris Thorburn is. No, I mean, oh. I think he's fine. He's, mm-hmm. he's, Reeves, everybody has pretty much said Reeves is the best at what Ryan Reeves did. And we're trying to replace a guy who is the best at what he did. And thankfully what he did is a pretty unique and pretty cost-efficient skill set, which is why we were yeah. willing to trade him, uh, even though he's the best. And Thorburn will, you know, he'll be that high-energy, high-physicality. He's 6'3", like 240, big, big guy, uh, veteran. I mean, he's fine. He's not going to be. You're yeah. probably going to like him. Uh, you know, he's probably going to have that Reeves impact where when he's on the ice, you're going to enjoy him being there. Um, but... You know, it's not a, a high-impact signing by any means. There is video of Thorburn and Reeves having a throwdown a few years back. Uh, I believe that we it. can share on our Twitter account uh, if I can pull it back up. So that will be fun to watch. And Gee. maybe they'll do that again in the season opener uh, when we play the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, I'm crying. Shut a tear. 
That would be sad. I hope he only fights Thorburn. That'd be great. I mean, he never really fought. He never went after anyone that didn't really, wasn't really a fighter or a tough guy, but he's not a backup. Who's going to go yeah, hunt for Robbie Fabry? Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the book on Thorburn. The other signing, a little more out of left field and a little more unexpected, Bo Bennett uh, was signed by the Blues. Bennett was a 20th overall draft pick in 2010 by the Penguins. Yep. Had a lot of his early, the early stretch of his career kind of shortened by injury. Um, is just a high skill winger. And this is a kid who was really highly projected at one point in his career and has just struggled with injury. Last year he played for the Devils and recorded 19 points in 65 games. A little bit of coaching indifference in that season, too, <laughs> I think, because I don't think he had as many injuries last year. Well, they um, have Voldemort as a coach out there. It's hard to... That's true. That's if true. anyone knows, I think it's John, John Hines or something like uh, that. He has he has no eyebrows. <laughs> and I mean, also no hair on his head and on the top of his head, but he looks very Voldemorty, anyways. Well, maybe he ran away then and just wasn't found by game time. Uh, but whatever the case is, uh, this was the signing that I just kind of came out of nowhere for me, which mm-hmm. is fine. I mean, he's he's welcome to, you know, I'm, I hope he makes an impact here, certainly. Uh, but I think he's just a body who's got skill and maybe a high upside. There's no risk when you sign a guy at nothing, nothing at the league minimum. And so, again, with that young talent pool looking for competition and the number of back-to-backs we have, I think it's another guy who was just kind of a body and maybe has some upside. What do you think about this one? He looks he looks to me, I guess my gut reaction is that he's not going to be there come halfway through the season. Like, he'll be on the team or in the AHL or something like that. Does he own a two-way? I think so, Okay. Yeah. Um and I hope I hope he sticks, and I'm. It'd be cool to have him, and he'd be great. I think he plays right wing or can play right mm-hmm. wing, so that'd be nice. Um, he just to me, my gut is like ah, this is a guy that we signed to be a body, to almost be like a training camp sort of guy. Where it's like you gotta keep up with Bo Bennett, you know. Yeah. He could be taking your spot up there on the right wing, but to me. To me, I just don't. I see Barbashev being there, or I see someone else being there. Yeah. At least, maybe that's just what I'd like to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna hate Bo Bennett if he's there. No. You know, that's great, no, and yeah. it's one of those names too that when I saw it, because I mean, 20th overall in 2010, it's someone. It's a name I've heard before. Mm-hmm. The Penguins are pretty prominent, so you kind of get to know a lot of their players just from watching hockey on and off. But it's something where I, he's got skill. I think someone said he's got just like really great passing ability and things like that. But like you said, he's just been hampered with injuries. Um, I don't think he's really found a spot anywhere. I mean, the Penguins are kind of a hard team to crack. I'm guessing he had a pretty good shot at it. I don't think he was someone that was yeah. dwindling on it. I think they gave him a couple seasons. Yeah. But I, really, I could see him doing well here, I suppose. Yeah, I really do think with the Penguins, it was largely injury and just the, the depth of skill they have mm-hmm. in their top nine. Um you can't just drag a body around, you know. I mean, he didn't break through with the Devils last year. You'd like to think... <laughs> Who does? Yeah, that's true. You'd like to think, hey, maybe this is a guy we sign, and maybe he has just one of those phenomenal breakout seasons, and we add him, and he becomes a big piece. Seems very unlikely. But uh, I think it's kind of the 25-year-old equivalent, like you were saying, of a PTO, 
where mm-hmm. he's a guy you bring into pra- training camp, and you you want people like Yaskin and Barbashev and Payarvi to look at him and say, hey, this guy could steal your spot if you're not if you're lazy, you know. That's why it felt kind of early. Yeah. I guess he's someone of prominence, a name where you, he's probably not going to be there. Yeah. Come September, but yeah. to me, it felt like oh. Yeah. That seems like a September guy. A Scotty Upshaw wanders in, and you're uh-huh. like, oh, yeah. I think it's a, it's, yeah, it's just that situation where he's young enough and has enough potential and name value mm-hmm. that he's probably going to get signed before PTO time. Most likely. Uh, but it does strike me as that way. And the Blues have a history of having guys come in on PTOs who uh, kind of stole spots from people. Most notably, yeah. Brian Elliott did that when it was supposed to be kind of... I can't believe that. ...make Ben Bishop work a little harder, and then... Brian Elliott was our starting goaltender off and on for the next four or five <laughs> you, years. You worked Ben Bishop all the way to Ottawa. Uh, originally, yeah, uh, with, with that weird contract he had. Um, and Scotty Upshaw has done that. Scott Gomez did for, like, a drink of water here. I think mm-hmm. that's how he got on the team. So we've had guys make the team that way. And like I said, I mean, Bennett's not on a PTO, so mm-hmm. he's, he's not going to be just cut. But maybe he does make an impact and if he doesn't, you know, you've lost nothing in the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other the other signing was uh, Oscar Sundquist, who we talked about last time. We and just, that was for league men, right? Yeah, we just locked okay. him down for his RFA year. And Armstrong says he figures this guy will be part of their group of six, uh, group of nine. Oof, not group of six. That'd be <laughs> They're going nowhere near the second line, Sundquist. Yeah, but I, I mean, with Bergwin's injury, uh, which I guess is a bit of news that we haven't talked about, but... Uh, Patrick mm, Irwin, the Blues' third line, generally center, uh, had some surgery on his shoulder, not the shoulder that's been injured yeah, before. I can't tell you which side, shoulder. but it's the opposite one. <laughs> they've both been injured, and now one of them's been surgically, well, they've both been surgically repaired. Uh, that's going to put Yikes. him out till at least December when he's going to be reevaluated. I mean, that can fluctuate over time. Yeah. I don't think they just literally never look at him. Between now and December, I <laughs> hope you're go feeling sit fine. And until <laughs> Mercy has your appointment in December. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know why, but Mercy is just a way. Are you going to St. John's, Berglund, to have it looked at? You know where I go for yeah. my doctor. <laughs> but uh, I think with that opening, it does. It creates even a little more potential. You know, competition. Because somebody's mm. going to have to lock in that third line center role that Bergwin's been pretty set at and Bergwin, you know, you assume gets it back when he returns, but for the first half of the season I would guess it's Saboka. That's just my yeah. I know we didn't play him a lot there, if at all, in the playoffs, but I think you were saying earlier that he just said he didn't feel comfortable yet yeah. going back and having the responsibility after playing in the mm-hmm. KHL for two years, three years. Yeah. So I can but I could see him that's just the one that sticks out to yeah. me is getting that. It probably is Saboka, but... I just don't want to be Steen. Saboka no offense to Steen, the but the guy can't take face-offs. And I feel no. like we try and put him there a lot. And it's like, no, yeah. no, 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 just put him back on We're left wing. We're already bad enough at face-offs, which is one of the reasons we brought back Saboka. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the reasons it was so weird that he didn't take the face-offs last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, in any case, those were the Blues' uh, big hallmark free agent signings this year. <laughs> huge. Uh, They're going to be huge. kind of a disappointing year, but I don't, I mean, I think there have been rumblings and we were talking to Justin Williams, we were talking to Joe Thornton, but I don't, I don't think we've really reasonably expected more than this. I think it's one of those situations where your hopes are naturally going to get up, mm-hmm. uh, but this is what we did, and... 
You know, it feels like our team is one top six type player away from being really locked in as like a top, top great team. But I think we're better next year than we were last year. And, you know, you build for another year and that's all right. I think we're a UFA. Well, I could be a trader UFA away, but not not any UFA from the summer. Yeah, that's true. You know, you could get a Joe Thornton, but we kind of talked about it last time. It's like, do you go get a Joe Thornton? It's like, eh. A lot of uh, players that were aged pretty old or, Mm. uh, you know, were a risk for one reason or another. And I think it's just a good year to be safe, especially when you see some of the contracts people did get. Uh, which is what Holy. we're talking about now. <laughs> so we're just going to sort of go alphabetically through the teams, alphabetically by city name or location, uh, through the teams that had major signings this year and just give kind of quick blurbs on the signings themselves. Uh, I'll kind of say uh, what the contract was, who went where, and then I'll let Ian kind of chime in with his thoughts and, and I'll voice whatever opinions or disagreements I have, which <laughs> no disagreements. seems unlikely. So first we had the Anaheim Ducks, uh, who went out and grabbed Ryan Miller, uh, former Blues quote-unquote goaltender, uh, for <laughs> two years, uh, $2 million per year, uh, average value on that, that's the cap hit, uh, and Miller comes down from Vancouver, where he's been ever since he left here, I think. Uh, I think so, yeah. So it was not curtains for Ryan Miller, much as I He's taking the stage. So uh, what do you think about the Miller signing in Anaheim? I think I think it's good. I think Ryan Miller has uh, what's, I guess, going to be the backup to Gibson. Mm-hmm. He has to be. Gibson's that much younger. Yeah. Is really, I think is great because I think Ryan Miller has done well in Vancouver with less time because he's kind of split with, I want to say, who is it, Markstrom yeah. up there? Yeah. Um, and then before that, I think he was splitting with Lack. Or, I mean, maybe not splitting, but Lock, Eddie Lock. <laughs> um, so I think he does well with that, at least. I don't think he's someone that's shocked with us. He's 37 years old at the beginning of the season. This for two years, I think that's fine. I mean, it's $2 million. That's nothing bad. But I do have to bring up that they kind of keep trying to find people that are, like, really, I'd say really good backups for Gibson. Mm-hmm. I think they have Bernier before this. Um they had Anderson, who I believe is the, the Leafs goalie now, um, for a while there too. And it just kind of seems like Gibson's supposed to be, I guess I wouldn't say a, maybe elite, but good to great Pretty great, yeah. for a goalie. And I think he's done pretty well. I don't pay that much attention to the Ducks, but it keeps seeing like they're kind of backfilling this backup role with someone that's pretty darn good themselves, mm-hmm. which is good to have, but it kind of leads to a sort of Brian Elliott situation. Not exactly, because they tend to be older. But it's just one of those things where it's like, when is Gibson, like, your clear cut, where it's like, we can kind of get you a Curtis McElhaney or somebody, where it's like, who? (laughs) And it's like, you know, because we trust you. Maybe he doesn't see it like that. That's just from the outside perspective. But it seems a little odd. Yeah, I think it's one of those situations. I agree with everything you said. I think, you know, as a, as, a, as a top contender, you want to have a backup who, God forbid, your starter gets injured, you're not just lost, you mm-hmm. know. But it does seem like Miller's more than a backup goalie and less than a starting goalie. It's hard to tell. Very much like Brian Elliott. And it's one of those situations where you think Gibson's the queer favorite now, 
But if Gibson goes down and Miller has five or six really red hot games and shows some of that, you know, Team USA yeah. Buffalo Sabres <laughs> fire, then and if Gibson comes back and comes back and struggles, it just creates a situation where there could be controversy, and you never really want mm. that around your goaltender. So I think it's a fine signing if they manage it well. Uh, but I mean, you look at the Blues by comparison, have Jake Allen. Jake Allen, who was a lot less proven, I would say, going into last season than John Gibson is going into this next season. And the I'd Blues so. signed Carter Hutton to be Jake Allen's backup. And I love Carter Hutton as a person, and he's a pretty <laughs> fine backup goalie. Uh, he backed up Pecorine for a lot of years in Nashville. But Carter Hutton is not Ryan Miller in name value or no, probably no, no. skill, even at uh, Miller's age. And so it does seem like, and, and I think, you know, if I look at it now, if I had to pick Gibson or Allen, it would be pretty close, but I'd probably take Gibson, even as well as Allen did last year. I think so. I don't know if at we're clouded end. at all by any sort of, I don't know. Yeah. I just, but I'm always a little shaky with Allen anyways. Even we'll, if it's close, it's like, those are the one, two, and then Miller's the undisputed three of. of oh, for sure, for sure. Goalies. So it does seem a little weird, but I mean, it's you. You got to have a backup, and maybe they weren't comfortable with anybody else. <laughs> I bet you Ducks fans mm-hmm. look at it, and unless I don't know, unless you're crazy hardcore, and probably just like this sounds good, and yeah. we're sitting here going, I just don't know about yeah. that Ryan Miller well, signing we're in probably Anaheim. Probably thinking way too much about it. Miller's wife is an actress in Hollywood, so they're returning kind of. <laughs> I for I didn't realize where you're going with this, and I uh, thought you were just saying she's an actress. But oh, okay. <laughs> so, yes. So I'm sure it was a it was a great landing spot for Miller, and that's I a good point. Wish him all the best uh, down there, but we'll see if there's any controversy as the season progresses. So moving on to the Carolina Hurricanes, who uh, made one of the bigger splashes on day one of free agency signing. Justin Williams, a name that had been linked to the Blues uh, for two years, 4.5 million AAV. Uh, Williams returns home to the team with whom he first won a cup of one of his three now, two or three? Uh, I want to say three. One One with Carolina, two with the Kings. One won the cup back with the Minotaur, Cam Ward, Rob Brendan Ward, Justin Williams team, <laughs> Eric Stahl team. It's just uh, a weird megazord of people that yeah. just fell apart immediately. Yeah, it's the Voltron of Stanley Cup teams for sure. <laughs> but uh, So what do you think about the Williams signing in Carolina? I think it works for them. They don't have overly large contracts or anyone eating up a bunch of money, so they can kind of afford to give Williams you know, 4.5 for each of those years. Mm-hmm. I mean, at 36, he's kind of proven that he's, he can still score and is reliable, um, minus, minus last year. I guess this past season's Game 7, which he's supposed to score in. It is his name. He it didn't. Name. I'm going to ride him on that. Be kind of like Reggie Jackson doing nothing in October. <laughs> yeah, just nothing. I I think he'll be fine there. I He'll probably, I'm going to guess he gets slotted into a kind of third-line role as a veteran. Yeah, um, that's what he would have been here. I would have liked the Blues to have him in that role, yeah, too. But... I I wouldn't want him for four point five. No, four point, especially on this team. I four point five so. strikes me as just way too much for this kind of player. It might be all right in Carolina because Carolina is probably in the situation where they have to overpay. It's with an the, yeah. extra premium on free agents to get them to come to Carolina, and they don't have a lot of contracts like we do, or like you know nothing big I can think of. 
But I think people may not realize that Carolina was a, a very close fringe playoff contender last year. So this is the signing they're probably looking at. Hopefully it gives them just enough of an edge to get over for that sure. hump. Because the difference, I mean, for, for a team like that, the difference between even one playoff series and, you know, missing the playoffs in terms of revenue is Oh, astronomical. It's huge. Yeah, so... You know, it's a, it's a fine signing if they can afford it. They, they I don't know their cap figures. I'm sure they're fairly low. But I definitely, you know, we were looking at this guy as maybe this is the one guy that makes a lot of sense for the Blues. And at two years, $9 million, it it would not have made any sense. I don't think so. I think, think so. I think Carolina, it's a good fit. And they're kind of, like you were saying, close enough that they're kind of, my in my mind, a dark horse over there. Yeah, yeah, at least for the playoffs, for mm-hmm. sure. So Chicago... Uh, is next alphabetically, uh, and boy, they have oh, they have had a weird offseason. Yeah. I would say the strangest we, off season by did far. Did we even talk about? I mean, we can touch on it real quick, but did we even talk about the sod no, uh, Panarin think we deal? Spent much time on it. If we they, any. I'm sure people know they've been swapped. Essentially, yeah. there's a few other things in the deal. Uh-huh. I want to say if Chicago got a goalie back, which they might use as a backup for Crawford. Yeah. Uh, this year, but other than that. Which it's just wonky, but anyways, that that's that is what it is. But they got sharp back this year for one year. Yeah. For eight hundred k, I noticed it was like two k in sign it or in a performance bonus or whatever. Yeah. So ooh, one mil. But I don't. I get it, but I don't get it. Yeah. You're taking what you know. The same same coach, same players, same GM. Maybe to me from the outside, I'm of two minds. One. They know what they're doing. They're the Blackhawks. They're well aware of what they're doing. True, I, true, there's yeah. no. They're not making some sort of weird misstep. They're like, we get it. We know what you're what you're seeing here, but we guarantee you it's going to work. I kind of lean towards that being the case, just because of how successful they've been. But I'm of the other mind too, where it's like they're also in an area that they've never really been in before in this era, where they've been ousted twice. The last two years in the first round, and this year they got swept. Yeah. And they're like, we, I don't know what we're gonna do. We're, I don't. I haven't looked at their prospect pool. I don't think there's anyone other than maybe Debrincat that's like popping off my radar at least. So I think they're kind of like, ooh, we gotta get back to, <laughs> we gotta get back to what worked. Yeah. Yeah, that trade, it just is that is a bad, bad trade to me. And like you said, they are the Blackhawks. They do know what they're doing. But at the same time, this is a team that has had a lot of playoff success, but has been mm-hmm. bounced twice in the first round, seven games by us, and then got swept by the Predators. That's this rough. Year. That's real rough. Um, and maybe they're a little desperate. Maybe they're reeling because this Panarin facade. We'll talk about the free agent moves in a minute, but that Panarin facade swap is just Ugh. right out of left field Ugh. for me. That is just that they wanted them back. That they has wanted the them potential back. to be one of those trades that you look back at in 10 to 15 years and just consider one of the worst. You know, I'm not saying it'll be Forsberg for Erat or Brock for Bolio to use a, a baseball Oof. analogy, but it it could be bad because Panarin is a, a top young player in this league, and Saad's still pretty young, actually a lot younger. I think than he's a think. fine player. He's, he's good a, to great. He's a but... fine top six forward. But it's Artemi Panarin is now the best player yeah. on the Blue Jackets, I would say, except for maybe uh, I Zach think, I think I've seen the argument as to why they did it is because Saad has three or four years left on his contract yeah. at six, I want to say six mil, and then Panarin's got 
one more. Yeah. And so I, they know that they might have to pay him even more than what they're paying right. Sod now. But I don't know if you just bite the bullet and see what happens and then make right. that swap later or something. Yeah, I get I get the idea that maybe you can't you think you can't afford to pay Sod with or excuse me Panarin with that with the contract demands especially this summer and with the enormous outrageous contracts that uh, Kane <laughs> and, and Taves have that if you're going to trade him even if you're that desperate you could get more of a return for him I think in terms of, of building a team for the future instead of just rebuilding a team in the past <laughs> which is what they've done and it's pretty well known uh, now that one of the reasons this trade happened is that Patrick Kane and uh, Jonathan Taves went out and told the GM that they loved Brandon Saad and missed <laughs> playing with him and wanted him back and this is one of those situations where when the stars demand something, sometimes they happen even if they don't make a lot of sense. So, I mean, we'll see how that trade plays out, but it doesn't look like it makes sense to me on paper. It's just a head-scratcher. And, yeah. And then, but I'm also just slightly worried that all of a sudden they're just, I mean, they're always on fire during the season, but they're just lights out. I'm like, yeah. oh, no, they did it again. They're just like, oh, we'll just pour this team back together. Could be, for sure. People keep bailing them out. Uh, but then, Gross. continuing in the, let's rebuild the 2014-13 Blackhawks moves of the offseason, they signed Patrick Sharp back from uh, the Dallas Stars for one year, $800,000 yep. uh, with 200000 in bonuses. Sharp's 35 years old, has been on Dallas in a couple for a couple of seasons, but mm-hmm. won uh, at least two cups, right? I think both of them twice with Blackhawks. Won at least once there and was one of the big players on their original trip. You might have been all like three. A, yeah. I can't remember. Um, just seems like that same move of we've got to rebuild that core from you know, four or five years ago, and that just feels weird to me. But what do you think about this signing? I don't mind sod as much as opposed yeah. to the trade just because it's one mil tops sharp sorry yeah. sharp yeah um so many s's but yeah, yeah <laughs> i don't mind it as much because it seems like a thing where he could possibly get back to prominence a little with someone like you know a tave centering him or be on the same line as kane or something um i think he had a big he had like an injury riddled season last year mm-hmm. but he had surgery on something i believe so I think I think it's fine. I think it's kind of a stopgap again because they just it's just for one year, so it's no big deal. Yeah, I mean it's not a problem. It's a fine signing. It just that whole move of trying to rebuild an old team does seem kind of weird to me. Uh, the Blackhawks also signed Tommy Wingles from uh, most notably from San Jose, but who had been traded to Ottawa uh, early last season, well before the deadline, for one year, seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Uh, this was a guy I think we talked about last time uh, who is from right outside of Chicago, Evanston, I yes. think, but married a girl from right outside of St. Louis and has said in interviews that he considers St. Louis his home. Uh, so why didn't he come here? <laughs> yeah, I think he would have been a good fit for us. He's a fine fit for the Blackhawks. I don't think we're going to have games next season where we're just weeping over Damn ourselves it. for not Tommy Wingles. Tommy Wingles. Um, I swear that will happen at least once. Well, yeah. It will occur he'll to me. I'm like, Wingles! He'll definitely ah. net a game winner at some point. But uh, do you have anything to add other than that he would have been a pretty good fit here? Yeah, I just would have liked him here, I guess. It's 
not make or break again, but it would have been cool. I think he could have filled a, a third-line mm-hmm. position. I don't know if he plays right wing. That's kind of like the weird spot where I'm like, do you play third wing or third line right wing? Cool. Then you're yeah. on the team. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not going to be a different team because we don't have Tommy Wingles, but it will kind of suck to see him in Chicago. Of course, it sucks to see anyone in Chicago. That's gross. Uh, so moving down the list, Colorado Avalanche signed our old buddy Niall Yakupov for one year, $875,000. Obviously played, I don't know, a handful of games with the Blues, probably 20, 30, 40, somewhere in that range. Oh, man, um, I don't know if it was 40. It wasn't probably 40, but I'm always surprised when you look at those numbers and mm-hmm. see how high they are. Well, just because, yeah, no offense to Niall, but if he's not really showing up or you're not remembering things, then you're like, did he only play like five? And they're like, oh, it was like 30. So yeah. what? Uh, Niall, as I'm sure our listeners know well, was a, the first overall draft pick for Edmonton uh, a, a few years ago, probably five years ago now, um, and has just kind of continually deteriorated, which is a mean word to say. <laughs> and by the way, it was exactly 40 games played with the No <laughs> way. Oh, I stand corrected. Uh, nine no points. way. But 40 games? Yeah. Wow. I'm telling you, you look at those numbers and it never seems quite right. I would not have ever guessed that he played 40 one of every two. What? Uh, but the Blues paid a penance nothing for him to, to add him right before the season last year. I was going to say, actually, I think... Uh, Bo Bennett has uh, some similarities to Yakupov, just in that we added them, and they're young, oh, okay. skill player with you know speed. Probably I don't know that Bo has Yakupov speed, but just kind of that young player where there's upside. Maybe he strikes something, mm. nothing happens. But anyway, Yakupov is in Colorado. Uh, what do you think of that deal? Uh, it'll get ice time there. I would think maybe Colorado fans might not enjoy it as much, but. I think with sort of what they got going on over there, they can afford to play him mm-hmm. a lot more than we could. That's for sure. I liked him a lot. I know Edmonton fans liked him a lot. It's kind of, he's not a guy you can really root against just because he's got like a personality that's, I don't know, he's just a kind guy. I think yeah. there's been stories of him like sharing food with homeless people and mm-hmm. stuff. I'm like, damn it, nail. <laughs> like, like, why can't you just be have more of a hockey brain? Yeah. That's my thing against someone. I'm sure it's pretty obvious to people when they watch is that he's got speed. He's got a shot. He's got, I think we saw a few times this season, he can pass really well. Mm-hmm. I think he's either caught up in his own speed. He just doesn't think the game as fast as he moves. Yeah, I think he's, that's true. He's very much like a, I like David Perron this last year, but he's kind of like a former David Perron, mm-hmm. like to the nth degree, where it's just like he's so fast and he's, got the physical attributes and all the physical traits and skills but it's it's just not there and where he needs to be i just know plenty of times he's in the corner with like three other dudes and i'm like oh no that's not yeah. there yeah. but i think i root for him i hope he does well there yeah i mean i think the the one thing about yakupov i have a friend who's an abs fan and when the signing was announced he was not overly thrilled and i kind of talked him down yeah. a little bit uh but i think the thing with yakupov is he's the guy if there's ever going to be a 25-year-old who finds it and just takes off, it could be him. Because you can't teach speed at 25. You can't generate a hard shot or great passing. You could theoretically teach hockey sense. And he has had, I forget the statistic, before he got here, he had like 
six coaches in five years or something because of all the turnover in Edmonton, and that he was... had a coaching change. So he's had like seven coaches in six years or seven and five or something. That was a lot of the reason why I thought he could do well here. That's been a very, you know, it's been turbulent yeah. up in Edmonton and things like that. And I just think it's a situation where a young player who makes mistakes occasionally never going to get a shot in a Ken Hitchcock system. And he'd already nope. kind of damaged him his credibility enough with Hitchcock to not get much more of an opportunity with Yo. So if he gets a lot of playing time here, I think it'll be kind of a make-or-break season for him. Uh, but I do wish him the best in Colorado. So one of the one of the other big big signings of uh, this wasn't a Saturday signing. I think it became official Sunday, or maybe even Monday. Was the Dallas Stars signing Alexander Radulov, who had had a one year deal uh, with the Canadians, and before that had been in the KHL and was with the Predators originally. Predators, yep. Uh, they signed him. Dallas Ken Hitchcock, Dallas Stars. Uh, signed him for five years, six point two five million uh, annual value. Uh, this is a signing that I'm not wild about, but what do you think <laughs> about it? It's it, it is what it is to me. Yeah. It's a weird one where I look at it and I go, I'm not gonna pay. I'm not gonna pay him six point two five, especially for five years. Mm-hmm. But I also sit there and look and I go, but what am I like? What what am I gonna pay him that he's gonna take? Yeah, and to me, I think he can do well with Hitchcock. Perhaps if Hitchcock is kind of okay with a little laziness on his side, I didn't watch him many Habs games this year. I don't know if he's kind of improved on that. I know with Nashville that was kind of a big deal, and some off ice antics and stuff. But I think they really liked him up in in Montreal, and he played for Tarion there for most of it until Tarion got canned, um, and Tarion's just more or less a Hitchcock-type coach, and he did well up there. So he might do well down in Dallas. I could see him doing well. Like I said, I just don't know if I'd pay him that much mm-hmm. for that long. But it's it's a UFA thing where you're going to be paying players a little more than they're worth for probably a little longer than you want, but you have to do that because another team's just going to snatch them up. Right, and obviously the, the Habs wanted this guy back. Uh, they weren't willing to go over four years is the story I've heard. And What a weird team. 31, it's a it's a rough contract to give a guy that age, in my opinion, who's basically I'd had agree. two NHL seasons on either end of a long trip to the KHL. <laughs> uh, maybe three, maybe he spent a couple years in Nashville. It just it feels like a real weird fit for Hitchcock. And, I mean, it's pretty obvious that a five-year deal he'll outlast Hitchcock in Dallas in terms of I think so. actually being behind the bench. But just, I mean, a high skill and low effort is like the opposite of a Ken Hitchcock player to me. Yeah, you know, like you that. Yeah, Ken is all about the high effort and skill doesn't really matter sort of player. So, uh, I mean, it's fine. I, I have nothing against Radulov personally. It'll just be interesting to see. Dallas seems like it's one of those teams that's just kind of stabbing at different things, you know, with the the Mathot trade and the Bishop signing, and I agree. Like, this will fix us, and this will fix us, and other than the Radulov signing, the other two kind of feel like, oh, Ken Hitchcock's in a coach here. We need to get yeah. Yeah. Mark Mathot. We need to get Ben Bishop. Right. This one was the one where I was like, don't you remember Ken Hitchcock's your coach? <laughs> Mathot, as opposed to Radulov, seems like that is a Ken Hitchcock. 
For sure. Looking branded. Uh, the guy is missing a finger. I don't yeah. know if that makes anything for him. I don't know if he's actually missing. But anyways. He was at one point. <laughs> that seems playing. like Ken Hitchcock's just going to stare at him like, this is what I like. Yeah. Nine fingers. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, the the one thing about Radulov, and we'll move on, they did lose Valery Nishushkin uh, before last season to the KHL, so now they've brought back another Russian winger, uh, and definitely Nishushkin was a big part of their front six. So Radulov, to some extent, is probably a replacement for that lost goal-scoring potential, but... While being older, I think he's better. Yeah, yeah, he probably is, but... Yeah, we'll see how that one works out. So then there were a couple of huge monster uh, contract chaining, changing extensions that came Oh, yeah, these were all in kind of order. Sunday, uh, the, the, the first one uh, chronologically that was announced was Carey Price signing with Montreal. Eight years, $10.5 million per year. That's so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of money. Um I think that he's the player that you have to play, pay this much money. I think Carey Price he's is... He's the best goalie in the league. Just not even, like, there's not even a question to me. And I think we have more good goalies in the NHL right now than maybe any other time ever. And yet I still think that Carey Price is a clear head above the rest of them. That's what I was thinking. You got Carey Price, you got... Uh, Bobrovsky. Yeah. You have um, whoever's in from Washington. I can't uh, think of the name. Man, I just forgot it too. Uh, yeah, he's gone. <laughs> moving on. Yeah. We'll think. But it's like you got Matt Murray, Holt Braden, Holtby. I still sit there and Those think. Those are just sounds. I think That's not a name. <laughs> Braden Holtby. When I when I think of Washington, for some reason, I automatically go to. Um, Barlamov still, oh, yeah. and I'm like, he's not there. But yeah, that's like five goalies. Are they like practically all in the same division? But anyways, yeah. you pay him ten point five. You'd pay him ten point five, and you thank him for not asking for more. Yeah, yeah, is what I think. I agree. I mean, it's tough to give that much money to a goalie, but Henrik Lundqvist is making like eight plus. He's old on a contract, <laughs> he's, on a contract he signed. Old and handsome, you know, probably ten years ago. So. It does, I mean, it just makes sense. It's just, and the same with McDavid we're about to talk about. You just got to pay these guys. You can't lose them. You got to just get the deal signed. I think it makes sense a lot for Montreal. I think for Carey Price, it makes sense too. Mm-hmm. But the only thing from his perspective that I would think about is also like, I don't know all the prospects they have in their pool or anything, but it always seems they just traded away Sergachev to to uh, Tampa so they could get Druin. I just, that team is such a weird, like, just a weird team to look at, Montreal that is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's, like, his best chance of winning is there, winning yeah. a cup that is. Now, yes. it's for, what, eight years? So things could drastically change. Yeah. And maybe you're like, we're listening to Kerry and we're, you know, taking his demands, like mm-hmm. Taves and stuff, and kind of molding this team as we can. I just don't know if that's, where you win, but you also, they give you 10.5, and you go, okay, cool, well, I know you're a Canadian team, and you're in Montreal, you're not going to willingly be, well, we're in the basement now, right. and you're Carey Price, you've automatically made that team a playoff contender. Well, we saw what happened to them when they didn't have Carey Price for it, Exactly. It was they just sink, they so. just completely sink, with one guy, and I mean, it's a huge, it's the, it's the huge position. Yeah. But with that one guy, he automatically makes them yeah. a threat. I mean, you look at even McDavid. 
I think if the Oilers lost McDavid next year, they bump Drysaddle up to the first line. That's and so weird. Still a playoff team. That's but, so weird to be saying about those two teams, but I yeah. agree. I agree. But I mean, not I'm not. Don't hear me saying that. McDavid is just not apparently <laughs> more valuable than Court uh, than uh, Connor McDavid, but. Yeah, Price. Uh, Price is the player that one of the players I love most in the league, and I just. Don't I think see. he's just that much more important than the next guy. Than the next. Who guy. is it? Yeah. Oh. Or uh, just on their team, the Habs. Oh. Uh, Weber, maybe. Patchetti. Yeah. Patchetti. And I think they're fine players. I just think it's a huge gap. Yeah. So Connor McDavid also signed a, a massive contract this year uh, for eight years, twelve point five million. Ugh, that has so that long. has to be the most per year yet, right? Oh yeah, twelve point five. Sure, no one's yeah. had over right. This got to be right. No, I'd maybe Kovalchuk had something stupid, ridiculous contract. <laughs> as stupid as that was, it might not have been that. But, I think it was really high, and that's when the league stepped in and was like, "Whoa, whoa, you cannot do this." It's like in the rules. I'm like, "Are you sure?" Yeah. So, but other than yeah, that, yeah, as this is just, I mean, you've got to pay Connor. You have to lock him up forever. You can't ever let him leave. <laughs> which is crazy to say about a guy. I hope that's what they like told them in the meeting. Year, Look, you can't ever leave. Yeah. But, I mean, that's just a guy, even with his grandpa hand gestures at the award <laughs> shows, you have to keep him. And so you made a good point on here about uh, the the percentages of this contract. Yeah. you want to talk about that for a minute? Well, I just saw some people saying that it was a huge amount, and this is um, more, you know, way more than Sidney Crosby ever commanded at the time. I mean, he's making 8.7. Yeah. He made 8.7 right after his first three years, and then he extended for 8.7. So, anyways... But in terms of the percent they're taking out from their team's salary cap or towards the salary cap, uh, it's only Conor McDavid's is only slightly more than Sidney Crosby. Mm-hmm. At the time, uh, Crosby signed for 8.7 mil, averaging over however many years it was, and that was in 08 09. And the salary cap was uh, 56.7 million, so that comes out to like 15, a little over 15% of uh, the Penguins' salary going towards them. And then Connor McDavid's 12.5, and this year's uh, salary cap is up to $75 million. So that's uh, just a hair under 17%. So less than a 2% difference, not that huge Not that huge in a difference. It's still a large part of the salary cap. But it's not, it's not something insane. The numbers are different. 8.7 is less than 12.5 by a good chunk. But in terms of how much they're taking up, it's not... It's not anything to turn your nose up at, I would think, especially with how good McDavid is. I mean, yeah. again, it's kind of like the Carey Price thing. You just kind of go, thanks for taking 12.5. Thanks uh-huh. for not asking for 15 or something yeah, like that. I, mean, I think the rumor was 13.5. Yeah, so even that difference is not a lot, but it's a lot, you know, at the same yeah, time. So. I just vomited numbers with the microphone. Both of these guys are sticker shock, and they'll definitely change contracts to some extent but one of the things we were talking about because on deadline or on free agency day they were talking about this contract rumor for mcdavid it wasn't official then and they were talking about john Tavares, who's a pending free Mm -hmm. agent is going to look at this contract and change his numbers and we both said he's (laughs) oh yeah because john Tavares is a phenomenally great player he's probably one of the top 10 top 20 players in the league but he's nowhere near Connor mcdavid 
And so maybe yeah, he maybe no he sit, looks at this contract and says, "Hey, I deserve eight, and not seven. But he can't look at this contract and say, "Hey, I deserve ten and a half, and not seven, because it's they're just not comparable yeah. by age or overall value. I'd love John Javaris on this team, but I'm not giving him double digits yeah. in terms of like ten million I'm or not, more. Yeah, I'd feel uncomfortable with eight. Yeah, so, <laughs> like, yeah. So, uh, so moving on, uh, the the Canadians also extended Alex Galchenyuk, a center, uh, for three years at four point nine million AAV. Uh, this was a guy that had been rumored to be possibly trade bait for the Canadians. Um, yeah, for a while. And this seems like a pretty good deal for Galchenyuk and for the team. They're not paying him five million, so it's safe. Uh, I mean, it's, it's Yori Latera money. So <laughs> you need to live up to Yori Latera. It's Lettera. little more than Yori Latera money, and it's less than Braden Shen money. So I think he has the ceiling to definitely over like outweigh yeah. the value of that yeah. contract by a lot. But the other thing is it releases him right at his UFA eligibility. Yep. And so he can make Buku's bucks. Yeah, three years, years. Three years of just playing really well in the halves. And you're golden. And then he'll be a Dallas star. Like be, uh, <laughs> I could. I have no idea what they'll be doing in three years, but I could totally see. Oh that. yeah, yeah. One of the stars just generally are one of those teams that's always doing something. It never works, but they're always doing. <laughs> it. I can appreciate the movement. Um, and then the not to be out, not to be ignored or outdone. The Canadians Snooze. also <laughs> uh, signed Carl Alsner for five years at four point six million per year. Uh, I actually think. This is one of the the better signings of uh, yeah. free agency, just because it seems like it's right at appropriate, and a lot of these deals seem like they were a little bit of a stretch. Alsner's not going to blow you away. He's not a point producer no. like Shattenkirk, and he's not dependable like Petrangelo. Is he more of a stay at home? I mean, I think he. I mean, I think he's a little more of a creator than like a true stay at home. But he's okay. just a, he's kind of an. I think he's got kind of a two way game. And he's fine. I think I think it's one of those situations where Washington's going to be real. They're going to understand his value a lot more this year than they understood it last year just because yeah. not having him is going to be a huge hit. I don't know that he'll just take over Montreal and shake their foundation. I don't know where he's going to play up there. Yeah, but I just think it's a fine signing. I think it's, a, it's that kind of guy that goes underlooked, overlooked. Over. <laughs> underlooked is not a word. Do you know what, what he shoots, what side he plays? Uh, I'm looking it up as we speak. Uh, I'm curious if he could play with Weber at all. He's 28 right now. He'll be 29 right at the start of the season. He is a left-handed shot. So we'll assume he plays left side. And he had uh, 13 points last year, 21 the years before that. So not a point creator, much more of a stay-at-home guy. But I just think it's fine. I just think these are the kind of guys that you can get yeah, fairly Yeah, 4.6 not bad. You don't have a lot of points, and I think he's fine. And I think in a year where there were a lot of kind of poop free agents or questionable free agents, this is a guy where you know what you're getting. So I think he's an okay signing, uh, personally. Carl Halsner, okay. Yeah. And you're never going to, like, I mean, like you said earlier about uh, whoever you said it about, um, Radulov, I think. You're never going to get a guy in free agency and be like, well, we crushed that deal, you know? Yep. <laughs> if they have value, you're overpaying. But I think they didn't overpay too much. Uh, unlike, in my opinion, <laughs> the National <laughs> Predators, who signed Nick Bonino for four years, 
$4.1 million. Benino, obviously a, a significant part of the back-to-back -back Penguins championships. Was he traded at, there at the deadline of the first year, or was he there the whole time? I, I may be want to say I want to say he was there the whole time because yeah. I think I remember distinctly Hagelin being like a deadline. Yeah, from but, the from the Ducks. Yeah, uh -huh. but Benino was part of the the B in that HBK line the first year of Hagelin Benino and uh, Kessel, Kessel right. Yep, and very fast, very uh, center, who I think is a, a stretch as a second line center. Yeah, he'd be kind of filling in up there, I would think. But uh, what do you think of this deal? Do you have anything to add to that? Um, from a Blues perspective, I see, I mean, I'm just a pessimist when it comes to this. So I see Nick Benino doing like really well in Nashville, at least maybe for the first couple of years, um, just because he's got speed and he's something that their team was already fast, at least in my mind, in my eyes. I mean, the Blues also look kind of slow. So, But never, they I mean, they look fast. And I think they got faster with them added. But I don't think I would like it from the Blues' perspective of trying to add them to our team for that much. Like 4.1 for Benino is just a little over what I'm willing to toss at them. And for four years, I got to wonder if he was asking for more. If it was, you know, if they're like, we'll sign you for three or two. And he's like, well, I want five, five. Then you're like, no. Yeah. And he was like, well, I'll give you four year, you know, I'll give you lower, but it's gotta be four. And they're like, well, you know, good enough, I guess. That's to me, it just kind of feels like national thinking they're getting better. And it's 50, 50 for me. Mm -hmm. That seems about right. Uh, moving on. We have the most earth shaking groundbreaking. We didn't see it coming. No one saw it coming. A free agency, a former blue and for a short stint Washington Capitol, Kevin Shattenkirk signs a deal with his home-ish town New York Rangers <laughs> for four years, $6.65 million. Uh, this is a guy that we've known was going to be a New York Ranger for like five or six years now, it yeah. feels like. He was, he was going there, no doubt. Um, if you went anywhere else, I was going to have a connection for it. Yeah, especially if it was... Oh, Tampa, yeah. As we talked about last time. But, I mean, this is a, a whatever signing to me. I think Kevin Shattenkirk is, is an overrated player. We're going to spend more time talking about him in a little while uh, in our closing segment. But it's a fine deal. I thought he'd get as much as seven. So I think it's good what he got here. I'm glad they didn't go out there. Uh but I also think it's a lot. So what would <laughs> yeah. you add to that? It's it's a lot. It's less than I thought he yeah. was going to get. I thought for sure he was going to do $7 million. Yeah. And I thought the Rangers, being who they are, but sure, here you go. Uh -huh. I'm a little surprised they went down to, yeah, 6.6565. Um, Especially for four years. Yeah. It strikes me as that's the same as you said about Benito. I could have seen this as four for seven or five for six. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it was four for less than seven seems like it. I think good the Rangers, Rangers did well. It may be. A, it may very well be a situation where Shattenkirk. Had, I'm. I'm certain he had better offers from other teams. I'm certain other teams, knowing that he was likely going to go to the Rangers, I'm tried guessing. to wow him with bigger offers. But we knew he was going to New York. Neither side reached a ton. The only head scratcher in this one is I just know New York's. Uh, Defense is like Swiss cheese. Yeah. Like in the playoffs. I mean, yeah. they made it to 
second round against Ottawa, and the, their defense just did not look good at all. Well, you're and not they, signing Kevin Shattenkirk for defensive reliance. Well, yeah, so I guess maybe their best defense is a good offense maybe. strategy, but it just seems odd from that perspective. Yeah. Um, so moving on uh, with a few more signings, uh, the Flyers signed former Blue Brian Elliott. seems like a lot of former Blues were on the move. Uh, yeah, this, this it off does. Season. Uh, for two years, $2.75 million, uh, which is a little more than the Ryan Miller contract we already talked about. Well, we know who's better. Yes, it's Brian Elliott, <laughs> obviously. We should have just traded for it's Brian Elliott already. that year. We traded for, oh, we already have Brian <laughs> We should have just let Brian Elliott. <laughs> just, uh, probably. We could still have William Carrier on this team. Uh, so, <laughs> Elliot goes to uh, Philadelphia, where he will almost certainly succeed, and why don't you tell us why that is? <laughs> I was going to say succeed as in, like, be above uh, Neuwirth, and I was like, ooh, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of why I think, I, out of this list of UFAs, or just signings in general, maybe... The best one to me, other than Galchenyuk, who is RFA, they just extended. I think this is one from being a Blues, from seeing him play for the Blues, um, that's great for Philly for basically two reasons. That A, it's lower expectations on him as, as opposed to Calgary, where they brought him in and there was Chad Johnson, but he wasn't going to be here. He wasn't like compete with Chad Johnson for this position, like Elliot, it's yours. And so with Neuvert there, he's been a great backup slash, I'd say, starter even for them. And so he's got someone that is competing with him for, for, the, uh, for the number one spot, which is kind of my second point, is that he's, it's not given to him, and he has to compete. And when he competes, we've seen it with Halak, and we've seen it with, with Allen. He just thrives in that. He's, I, I think he said it in interviews. It's not one of those things that we just see, and then he's like, oh, I don't know. He said that he likes it when he has to show what he's worth. And I think up in Calgary, he didn't have to do that as much. And, and it, it hurt him. Well. <laughs> no, it, it, it went very poorly. Um, and I think he actually he, he rebounded in the second half when they start, started to question a little bit whether he should be. That's what's so weird, yeah. He had to do bad so they would question him yeah. so he would do better. Not great in the playoffs, but I think that's also just a team that's outmatched by the Anaheim Ducks. I think the Ducks are just a much deeper and better mm-hmm. team. I think Elliot will be fine to good in Philadelphia. <laughs> All the way to good. Agreed. <laughs> um, Agreed. San Jose brought back Joe Thornton for Snooze. one year. Snooze. We can just eight mil next. It's one year deal. You know how much cap you have, so you can pay him as much as fits in that cap. He's old and has a beard. He didn't end up going anywhere else. Uh, so <laughs> here we go. Uh, moving on, we talked about the Blues. Tampa Bay made, to me, possibly the most quizzical signing in a year of quizzical signings. This one hurts signing the brain. recently bought out uh, defender Dan Girardi of the New York Rangers for two years at $6 million total dollars, so that's three per year. This is just, I do not understand this. Tampa Bay has a very bad not even bad because they have Hedman at the top. But they I think they got a decent defense. They have, a, they have always claimed that defense is their need. They just added Sergachev, which I think is a huge gift. He'll probably them. play for them this year, too, yeah. I'm thinking. And this just doesn't make any sense to me. Can you He's, make any sense <laughs> of this move? 
I just, I wanted to say at three, you know, we were looking at all these big contracts, and it seemed like two years for three million a year, and you're like, that's not bad, you know. You can, Carl Gunnarsson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that's. I would think that would be like a comparison. You're like, okay, a guy that just you know no one talks about oh. sort of thing. He does fine, but I think a lot of people talk about Dan Girardi because he's just not good. Yeah. He might maybe is more offensively gifted, but on defense. You just lost. Rangers fans don't like him. They bought him out. They're, I mean, the organization just wanted him gone. As you talked about earlier, a lot of um, buyouts that happened this year, other teams would sign those people to, you know, sign those players to different contracts, but they were all fairly close to league minimum. They were all one year. It's kind of like, okay, you were bought out at a bad season. We'll give you a shot. But they're giving this guy... More than a shot. This I don't is want a contract. Yeah, this I don't. Is like a I don't want to say way more just because it's two years, but it is for a lot more money. It's right. for three times the amount that some of these other guys are yeah. making, and I, and I dare say some of them like I know they don't necessarily play defense, but a Benoit Pouliot and some of those guys, I'd pay them this before Danger Hardy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's as you alluded to. I was I was mentioning I think before the show that you see bought out guys aren't yeah. necessarily valueless. A lot of people will give them a shot. It's just that their Might contract as well. was really terrible. But with Girardi, I mean, two years, three million per, when you look at it just on paper, is not a significant contract. But when you look at who he is and what he's done, I just don't understand why they gave it to this player. And so it's not going to, like, torpedo their franchise. Is he just a warm sense. body? Yeah. I guess. But I mean, that's literally what he is. I mean, we're paying Chris Butler to be a warm body every year for a lot less than I that. Pay, you know? I pay Chris Butler $3 million before, before I pay Dan, Dan Girardi. Girardi. <laughs> so it's just, I mean, you can, they're not going to be devastated by this no, contract. No. I just don't understand it. Uh, so... The less said about that, the better. We've already said too much. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs made the other most vexatious signing to me. Uh, Ron, Ron Hainsey is not the vexatious <laughs> signing. Uh, he, he was signed for two years for $3 million, was a part of the, the Penguins Cup teams, right? Yeah. And uh, Well, there's, there's this last one. He got acquired at the deadline. Okay. was just 36 years old. Uh, you have much to say about Hainsey? Uh, I just think he'll be fine back there. I think he's generally kind of considered a PK specialist. So that's something they'll probably want. I know they have, I don't even know if they still have Polak up there, but that's something they want. They have a young defense. So uh, I think it's something that'll be fine up there. It's just kind of veteran presence. Yeah. Uh, the the one that really has us scratching our heads is Patrick Marlowe was signed on uh, Sunday night for three years at an annual value of $6.25 million. I don't Marlowe know why. is a 38-year-old career shark. Uh, and he played there for like 18 seasons. I just, this, I just don't, I don't get this. I don't, I, you know, Thornton got one year for $8 million. Which is a lot, but it's one year. But it's also San Jose just going, stay here, here's your money. Yeah, right. It's kind of a respect thing. Yeah, this exactly. $6.25 million. That's a that's a big contract for a guy that is 38 and has, I think, been diminishing. He has. And was never as good as Joe Thornton. Those, that contract says you have to play top six. Yeah. But he's not, he's not playing top right. six on that team. Right, he's not. For sure, they have too much young talent. I'm not playing. Like, I like Patrick Marlowe. I think he's still got skill to burn, you know, things Uh like that. But I'm not playing him over. I'm not putting him up there over uh, Marner or Nylander or Matthews. Or even some of their younger guys that are, um, 
Hyman? I mean, maybe. Yeah. I guess he's a little more of a grinder, but it's it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't get it. Maybe one year. You give him one year, and I go, okay. If, but, you, if you've given him the same as Thornton won at eight, I wouldn't be complaining just because you can't. Like, a one-year deal can't be bad, really. I wouldn't sense, think so. Because you know, you know what set your, your team. Is, so you just I can see it. that. But this is just too long. They have too many important He's, extensions to give. Austin Matthews isn't going to command Connor McDavid money, but he might be right there at that carry price level. I would expect him to make yeah. probably double digits. You have to see. Yeah, have to see the season, I suppose. Season is, but he had a, a tremendous uh, rookie year, and is you know was forty goals, a, a no ridiculous. doubt first overall center draft pick, which are never cheap. Uh, you have uh, Nylander, old Bill Nylander, uh, <laughs> and Mitch Marner to extend, and just a lot of young They have tons of young guys over there. I don't get this. They're I my East team. I don't think he will be there in three years. No I way. I don't know how they're going to get rid of him other than a buyout because they're not trading that contract to anybody. I'll eat a sock. I will eat just. a sock if he is there in three years. <laughs> Write that down. Write it down. Ian, Remind me. Last name redacted for privacy reasons. <laughs> Uh, we'll be eating a sock in three years' time if Patrick Marlowe is still with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Please leave. Uh, someone who's going to be with their team for a lot longer than three years is T.J. Oshie, who signed an extension-slash-free agent deal with the Washington Capitals for eight years, which is just preposterous, at $5.75 million. He's like 30 right now, he isn't is he? He is 30. Uh, the money seems Why? fine. And the term seems not fine. I think that's why I think that's why the money seems fine. Yeah. It's because they said, can we get it lower? And he said, eight years. And they went, fine. Uh, this uh, this is another one I'd, I would never have signed this. It's way too long to commit to a player who... I think he's worth the five. Just yeah. his best season on a contract year. And as a player that's been accused of laziness from time to time... Here, at seems least. Seems like not a coincidence. He's playing on lines with Backstrom and Ovechkin that's going to make him look His numbers better. are going to go up either those way. those guys are going to be gone in eight years. <laughs> and then TJ Oshie is going to be the core player of your franchise, Washington. Those are dark you're times. TJ Oshie. You're not going to have Carl Alsner. You're going to have Braden Holtby. And you're going to have Evgeny Kuznetsov who signed an extension with them for eight years at $7.8 million. I think this is the one. This is the one where I'm like, I I don't get it. I mean, this is... I mean, he's fine. This is a franchise. More than fine. You think about the fact that this is a franchise that if they just had stayed pat and not been idiots, instead of TJ Oshie, <laughs> they'd have just been extending Philip Forsberg. They needed that Martin a much better player than TJ Oshie. And now they're giving a, I think, ridiculous contract to TJ Oshie and a ludicrous contract to Evgeny Kuznetsov, uh, who, as you said, is a center. It's just way too much money. What You had a little more research on this. Well, why don't you talk about that? Bruce? I want to. I want to give credit to uh, the hockey writers. Their website. There's a an author by the name of David. I want to say it's Petrie. Petrie. Petri, Petri. Petri. Yeah. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, David. But he'll never. Hear. He'll, he'll never hear. He might. He might. <laughs> Got to cover all our bases. All right. But he um, was comparing Evgeny Kuznetsov's hero chart, which is kind of a sabermetrics type. Mm-hmm. Um, statistical information for hockey, and it does things, it rates five different uh, metrics on the 0 to 10, 0 low, 10 high, and it's ice time, it's goals, it's assists, it's shots generated and shots suppressed. And 
he has Kuznetsov compared to Vladimir Tarasenko and Johnny Gaudreau, who are both wingers, mind you, when Kuznetsov's a center. But they're making a comparable amount of money. Mm-hmm. He's making, I mean, Kuznetsov's making more than both of them. I mean, if you want to think of it that way, he's making 7.8. That's more than Tarasenko, so just a little odd from name alone. Yeah. But if you look at the stats for this, um, Evgeny Kuznetsov is a 5, a 5 or a 6 in ice time. Goals are a 4. Um, assists are a 10, 10 out of 10. I know he gets a ton of those. He has a 4 in shot creation and a 5 in shot suppression, so those are all okay. 6, 4, 10, 4, 5. These are all just a bunch of numbers. But Vladimir Tarasenko, 7 in ice time, 10 in goals, which makes sense, 6 in assists, 9 in shots uh, generation, and 5 in shot suppression as a winger, too. Uh, supposedly accused of, air quotes, lazy winger. Mm-hmm. And just to be clear on these hero charts, 5 is average. 5, yeah, sorry. So, five's in the middle, Ten's amazing, right. and if zero's just garbage. If you less than 5, you're kind of bad at that. You're yeah, not, I would not say good. not reliable in that area. Right. So, so, I mean, he's he's already... And a 5 for Kuznetsov. Yeah. Which means you've got three parts of your game that are not great. Yeah, I know this is all kind of this is all kind of number vomit, but it's essentially saying that Kuznetsov, for the money he's making, statistically is just not as good as players making comparable money. Um, Goudreau is also someone that's not hitting as high on assists as, as Kuznetsov, but all his other points, um, shot generation, shot suppression, for for a little guy like that is still more. I know you were talking about how Kuznetsov. Has a lot of assists, but that his points have gone down. Uh-huh. It was seventy something down to fifty. Um, it's just he's a, a good player. I'd say maybe a great player, but I'm not giving him seven point eight million. He's that's fifteenth highest paid player in the league. Yeah, I'm just he, no way. Here's the thing: his last two years, he's played a full eighty-two each season which means that the drop-off from 77 two years ago to 59 this year is not an accident. It's not just because he got less playing time. It's because he played less well or with less talented players on his line. Mm -hmm. The ratio, he had 20 goals and 19 goals in those two seasons, 57 assists and 40 assists. So the the positive is that the goals stayed pretty much the same. But the negative there is that the ratio of goals to assists is just way off. And now, I mean, there's such a thing as a playmaking center. Mm -hmm. They're very highly coveted. I want one. But the best of them are not that kind of a ratio. They're not 30 to 70, you know, goals and assists. They're ta- you're talking Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid who are still 40 goal scorers year in year out and yep. they're 100 point players. Yep. So it's still a 40 to 60 ratio, but you're not looking at numbers like that and you're not capping your goals at 20. This is just this is to me a team that is kind of lost right now cuz they just can't get it done. And it's just weird. It's a lot of money on two guys, and then even Orlov that they re-signed and extended. That's just 
for people that I feel like you should go out and fill this hole elsewhere, or you should be paying younger guys. Yeah. I don't, it's a little confusing. And then I was just looking at, you saw, you saw me, the listener did not see me making <laughs> some pretty extreme facial expressions, because I looked up great. Nicholas Backstrom's uh, contract by comparison. Because they're uh, bonkers good. The, the reason I was... I had the insane facial expression as this guy is still only 29 years old, which seems wow. impossible to me. But he signed a 10-year extension in 2010 for $6.7 million a season. Nicholas Backstrom is a much better player than Evgeny Kuznetsov so. to me, and he's making a million dollars less. And admittedly, contracts change over time, but Washington is looking more and more like a team who in five to ten years from now is just garbage bad. <laughs> I think they will be not quite as bad as the Vancouver Canucks, but pretty close to as bad. And I don't think they're going to load up enough on the front end to get it done. Because if you want a couple cups, you can be garbage in six years. That's mm-hmm. a fair trade for most fan bases. You don't but care. I, they're not getting over the hump to win a cup at this point. Last year was their year. I don't think they're going to be any better than they were last year going into the playoffs. And I just see this as a tremendous, tremendous error. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think Ovechkin and Holtby kind of get you there. Yeah. As long as they're there and healthy. Oh, they'll be a contender as yeah. long as they're there. I'm not trying to say for sure. trash next year. But, but yeah, it's but Ovechkin's, you know... Slowing down, I would guess, yeah. or you would think maybe he has some sort of yager in him. But yeah, it's just one of those things where I, I don't see. I see them slowly. I always think of it as teams you're doing really well, and then your your players start inflating, mm-hmm. and there's not enough room for other people. And if they're doing well, then who cares? Kind of the Blackhawks sort of thing. You're winning, doesn't matter. But when you're not winning, there's no holes anymore. Yeah. There's no room for anyone, yeah. and you kind of either got to get rid of them and trade them, or you got to wait till that balloon pops for room. Yeah, if you can, you can bury this kind of contract on a good team for a long time, and you can just say he's part of your core with uh, Backstrom and with Ovechkin and with yeah. Holtby and with I was going to say Mike Green, but he's not there anymore. I don't know who their defenders are anymore. They don't have any. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, Carlson. Uh, yeah, the Carlson, other Carlson. Carlson. Yeah, but. When when Ovechkin retires and Backstrom is going to get the hell out of Dodge when he expires that contract at when the it, age of 31 in 2020 and still has... Oh, that's when it's he over? He still has another fat UFA deal in front that's of him. That's bank. I think yeah. that's some more bank for uh, that guy. When Evgeny Kuznetsov is your core, you're going to look like a real yeah. bad team for making this deal. And, I, I mean, we could be wrong. We could live for and regret sure. this. We're not scouts any more than anyone in the yeah. Washington Capitals organization is. But at the moment, it doesn't seem like we're any less than anyone in the Washington yeah. Capitals organization. Uh, so that is just a deal that I have a lot of questions about. Um, as long as we're ranting about things, uh, we've been going at this for over an hour. So why don't we uh, put off the prospect discussion until yeah. our next podcast? No, yeah, for sure. That, there's plenty to talk about there, too, yeah, and I was just thinking that. We're going to need topics in the dark of, of winter. Oh, I know. I counted out. I think we got like six, if we do it every other week, we got about six until the beginning of the season. Training camp. So. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we will be looking at moving to uh, bi-weekly or bi-monthly, which I think mean the same thing. Every other week podcast. Close enough. Uh, until training camp starts, and then we'll try to pick back up a, a weekly schedule. 
Uh, but we want to debut a new segment here tonight, uh, which we're going to call... It's going to be a barn burner. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to call Five Minute Major. Uh, the concept of Five Minute Major is pretty simple. Occasionally, one of the two of us will see something said about hockey or hockey players that is so uh, vexatious and confusing to us that we just need a forum to not yell about it because we'll speak oh, yeah. polite volumes, but <laughs> we'll be essentially yell about it and rant <laughs> and rave. Uh, and we thought, what better environment to do this than five minutes uh, in the classic hockey sense? And you got a preview of what's going down with Evgeny Kuznetsov, <laughs> uh, because we were more riled up about him than I thought we would be. I'm um, hot right now. I'm very hot. <laughs> I am too. But our topic today uh, is actually going to be Alex Petrangelo. Now, I want to be very clear. We're not raving about Alex Petrangelo. We've, we've started the clock on the five-minute major now. We're not raving about Alex Petrangelo. I mean, he is great. We are raving. We're raving about him, but we're not raving against Oh, we're not. Yeah, we're not against him uh, by any means. But um, who we are ranting against are the the insistent, persistent, unbelievably existent Blues fans <laughs> that seem to believe that Alex Petrangelo is somehow not an integral part of this team and is somehow an asset that the Blues can afford to move and might be better by moving. He's tradable only in the sense that Wayne Gretzky was traded, and that's it. Yes. That's pretty much it for me. And he's Ian, just to be clear, is not saying Alex Petrangelo is Wayne Gretzky. No, no. But the point is there were times when Wayne Gretzky had worn out his usefulness for a franchise and was more useful as a yeah, trade asset. More like anyone can be traded. Having said that, though, I'm not trading Alex Petrangelo, and anything I would trade him for, the other team is not giving me. Right. Exactly. So we see it just, like, regularly. I would say regularly. I'd on... say it feels like a, it feels like 50% of the people yeah. I read on on. Just forums that talk the blues, maybe not that many, but pretty close. Yeah, on forums and just any sort of web discussion, which obviously isn't the best place for reasonable <laughs> yeah. discussion about issues. We're not all. seem to think that Alex Petrangelo is just kind of a body for this team. And most, most frustratingly to me was last year when I would regularly read or hear people say, why are we talking about trading Shattenkirk when we could just trade Petrangelo <laughs> and extend Shattenkirk? Like just, those were remotely comparable things. So you let's just smile talk and about shake your head. Kevin Shattenkirk for a minute. Because I, I hold nothing against Kevin Shattenkirk, th- thankfully, because he didn't sign with the Lightning. <laughs> but Kevin Shattenkirk just signed a seven-year... Or, sorry, excuse me. Kevin Shattenkirk just signed a four-year, 6.65 million dollar contract that ends in 2021. Alex Petrangelo, by contract of contrast, signed a contract in 2013 for seven years at 6.5 million dollars, which is 0.15 million less per season that will take him through 2020, which is one less season. So essentially, Alex Petrangelo and Kevin Shattenkirk for the next three years have identical contracts, and Kevin Shattenkirk has one more year on his. Now, if these two are, are if Kevin Shattenkirk is a far more valuable player, then I want to know why Alex Petrangelo got the same contract as an RFA young 22-year-old extension that Kevin Shattenkirk just got on the open 
market. <laughs> when the cap was lower. It's because Kevin Shattenkirk is not as valuable a player as Alex Petrangelo. I am confident that if Alex Petrangelo is a free agent this year, especially this year, when the value was so low, I am confident he would have gotten $8 million a season, and probably more I than that. would probably guess more. Yeah. He is... Kev, or Alex Petrangelo was 8th in the league last year in time on ice per game at a whopping 25 minutes and 17 seconds per game. He was actually, let me look, let this load, he was third in the league on shifts per game, which may just mean that the Blues switch players on shifts more often, but it could also mean that that Petrangelo is used in more situations than some of those other players that rank ahead of him in time on ice are. Now I want to read to you just for frame of reference the top 15 players in time on ice because every single one of this these people is a centerpiece defender for their teams number one is i'll actually start at 15 number 15 victor hedman number one wow. defender for the tampa bay Lightning. i'm surprised that low number 14 oliver ekman larson number one defender for the arizona coyotes number 13 cam fowler number one <laughs> defender for the anaheim ducks Number 12, Brent Burns, number one defender for the San Jose Sharks and considered the be- one of the two best defenders in the league. 11 is Jacob Truba, who's a number one or two defender. That's for a little the, different, actually, for me. He's one of the two that feels a little weird on this. Yeah, list. yeah. Number uh, nine, I guess there was a tie for ninth, was Roman Yossi of, uh, of Nashville, who is one of the top defenders there. Uh, number we're running down on the five minutes. Uh, we going to OT. We going to OT. Through it. Uh, number eight was Shea Weber of Montreal, one of the best defenders in the league. Or sorry, that was tied for nine again. Eight is Petrangelo. Seven Chris Letang, number one defender for the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. Six Keith Duncan, number one defender for the <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks. Number five is Rasmus Ristolainen, who is the one that seems a kind of weird because he's not a household yeah. name in hockey, but he is clearly the best defender for the Buffalo Sabres yeah, by, far. by a long way. Four is Eric Carlson, just won the Norris Trophy, best defender in the league. Three is Ryan Sutter, huge contract to be the best defender in Minnesota. Yeah. Two, Drew Doughty, my opinion, the actual best defender <laughs> in the league. I would think so. And number one was Dustin Bufflin, which doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense, but he's it a just, huge piece there. And he's it makes sense for up there. It's there is no comparison between Kevin Shattenkirk and Alex Petrangelo in te- terms of their overall value, which is why Kevin Shattenkirk got a first-round pick and a mid-level defenseman as a winger or as a rental last year. And Alex Petrangelo isn't being traded by this team <laughs> ever because you can't replace 27 minutes or 25 minutes per game on the ice as your team captain. There's nothing else that can do that. It's a similar problem I have with people saying Jay Bomeister's contract is terrible. Yeah, the numbers are higher than you want it to be, but he plays 20-plus minutes a yeah, game. Yeah, he's don't doing what we need. can do that. Alex Petrangelo, to me, honestly, may be more valuable than Vladimir Tarasenko. And I know that's borderline Harrison, <laughs> and I love Vladimir Tarasenko. But you can score goals with a combination of players. You cannot have a combination of players be your number one defenseman. And that is why I think this is the stupidest thing (laughs) Blues fans regularly say. It baffles me every time I read it. I'm actually reserving myself (laughs) at the moment uh, to talk about this because it just makes no sense. Petrangelo was the fourth overall pick uh, when he was drafted in 2008. 
he should have been the, well. He should have been the third overall pick that year because he was drafted right after Zach Bogosian, who's a, not anywhere close <laughs> to the same amount of player. There's a reason players are picked that high. Everyone in the league, including Pierre Maguire, who is annoying but is an incredible talent evaluator. Yeah. Everyone in the league knows this guy is an incredible defenseman. And if you disagree with them, you're not smart. You're actually the one in the wrong. And I'm going to stop myself <laughs> there. Do you have anything to add to this? I no. I, I think I think comments? I think you covered it. Yeah. I just it's just. It's lunacy to me. I don't understand it at all, and it needs to go away. Because, I'm, I mean, I know everybody's always going to yeah, point about Yeah, you'll just have an opinion. It's the same thing people say about, you know, Tarasenko disappearing Kings, in the playoffs. Kings fans say some of the same stuff about Drew Doughty. And I'm sure from a do. Blues perspective, you look around and like, are you guys on drugs? Yeah. Like, that's Drew Doughty. Yeah. You want him gone now? Yeah. And they're like, well, yeah, you know, it's a what have you done for me lately right. sort of league. And, I mean, it is. You look at the league and the the, the highest profile defensemen are the point scorers, Brent Burns and, and uh, Carlson. Eric Carlson. I yeah. wanted to call him Carl Erickson <laughs> because Swedish names are interchangeable. <laughs> Eric Carlson. And they score a lot of points, and they're high-profile, and they're sexier players than Alex Petrangelo. But mm. I'm not sure I take either one of them over Alex Petrangelo right now, and I certainly don't say it's like a, a clear favorite to me. Mm. The problem with Petrangelo is he just doesn't show up in the sexy columns of the stat sheets. He shows up in all the other ones that are less important. But nobody is underestimating his value except the people that think yeah. he doesn't have tremendous value. <laughs> I think if he had enough of a it's kind of a Shankirk thing if you have enough of a crazy upside in offense Mm -hmm. it kind of makes up for your defense you're a Carlson type but to me it's you just want that two-way guy you want the two-way guy as your first overall you know your number one defenseman in my mind and he just he fits the bill and I we like Shankirk here he's great on the power play nothing against yeah I was like this is nothing against him this is just people trying to put him ahead or thinking that he can play the same minutes and it's just we've I'd, we've watched it very little because Petrangelo is pretty good about staying healthy, but the few times we have, oh, it's, it's just not been good. Every I don't. Oh, I want to show that to people. I'm like, do you see what's happening? This yeah. is like a 2008 Blues. I mean, it, that's a little, a little high or a little low to be putting them, but it's just a thing where it's like, there's not, there's nothing back there. And I think before that, when that had happened, Preko was either in his rookie year or before we even had him there. But it was just, yeah, it's not, it's not comparable in my mind. No, and I mean, I could go on and I will stop myself here, but when you look at those hero charts, uh, comparing Shattenkirk and Petrangelo that you mentioned, Petrangelo is ahead in basically every category, including uh, first assists, which ranks the, the, the goal creation of a player, yeah. which is supposedly what Shattenkirk's so great at. So it's nothing against Shattenkirk. It's nothing against even the people who would say that Petrangelo is less valuable although I would not take them as talent evaluators for my hockey team. It's just I see it all the time, and it needs to it's enough stop. enough to drive you, man. And the one last point I'll make is <laughs> if this guy has no value and you're the only one that sees it, how are you going to trade him? If he yeah, has no value, getting? why are you trading him? That's I see that all the time in trade. That's for, like, everything. It's like, let's trade, you know, Jordan Everlay for six first-round picks. It's like, not going to happen. Do you think the GM... Does knows less than what you do as yeah. a fan, and yeah. as much as we spout opinion and everything, 
I'm not going to go off the rails with something crazy right. where I think, like, well, that GM doesn't know squat. It's the same thing as, you know, people were saying, well, why? how dare we protect Ryan Reeves? David Perron scored almost yeah. 20 goals last year. And then a week later, we're trading, <laughs> trading Ryan Reeves for a first-round pick and a prospect. You know? I say you get a GM here and there that's like, what? Yeah. But in general, I think they kind of know what they're doing, even if it's, like, maybe misdirected. You can see what the... Yeah. The point is, at least. Yeah, it's just, I mean, we've got to stop at some point, and that yeah. might as well be the point, because I can we'll, go on. We'll end with the fact that next time we're talking about prospects and, like, yes. the prospect uh, sort of camp that they had, and that was, we weren't able to go, but it will be a lot of fun to talk about some of these guys, because I think the Blues already look pretty good on paper, but I think they got a really bright future out of them. Yeah, there are happier times ahead, although we do have a five-minute major on that subject, yeah. so we'll <laughs> talk about then. Uh, so thank you for joining us for this lengthy podcast. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in, and we will be back in roughly two weeks' time with a talk about the Blues prospects. So until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you later. Aloha. <laughs>